see we're on a mission from God. podcast. It's me, Amanda Qureshi, also known as Q. And today my guest is someone very special. Her name is Mickey Gomez, and she is a writer and also a longtime friend of mine from the internet. And I will add an alumnus of the Institute for Digital Civic Culture. Hi, Mickey. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. All right. So you're coming to me from beautiful Maryland. Beautiful Maryland, where we are waiting for snow. Are you? Yes, <laughs> that's right. So um, do you get a lot of snow there usually? Uh, last year, I don't think we received any snow. It was really weird. Um, mm. And then this year, we've had a couple of snowfalls. Um, normally, we'll have one or two big ones. And by big, I mean, you know, four or five inches sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one that's coming, it's supposed to be like a three-day storm. And we're supposed to get anywhere from like you know, two to eight inches. So, wow. I know. Oh, so do people there freak out when it starts to snow? Like people here, literally, it's like the end. It, even if there's just snow in the forecast and like no snow coming, like no actual snow is actually falling, but it's like in the forecast as a possibility of anything over 10%, people lose their goddamn minds and like, <laughs> ransack the grocery store and it's just a complete shit show right and the funny thing is then it snows like one inch and then it's gone the next day (laughs) we do uh we do have the grocery store runs just because of the pandemic like you know we've actually I've managed to stock up on things so I don't feel the need to run out and get the milk and the the bread and the toilet paper um but yeah normally we will have a run on like everything in the grocery store and people are decent at driving, but you invariably have the person who cleaned off their, like, I don't know, like a foot, uh, you know, 12 by 12 inches of their windshield and like uh-huh. the entire rest of the car is covered with snow or like sheets of ice. And they're just like merrily <laughs> driving down the road. <laughs> like, this giant ice flow comes like <laughs> sailing through the air. Fantastic. <laughs> I know. It keeps you on your toes. Excellent. Well, um, I hope that you are able to hunker down and stay safe and warm instead of having to go navigate all of that nonsense. Thank you. Thank you. That's my plan. Yeah. Yeah. Bake some cookies or something, you know, cozy. Yes. (laughs) Well, you've been on a cooking spree, baking spree lately. Yeah. You know, I, I get into these moods and I'll find a bunch of new recipes and then I'll make them. And then it'll be like months that we'll be eating the same things, you know, <laughs> sort of day in and day out. <laughs> but, um, but I do like experimenting. So I have been baking a lot and cooking a lot. I'm not a great baker right. so, per se, but I, I really enjoy um, cooking. So yeah, I'm the same way. I am not a baker and I, I can make a passable pie, but it's just not like as rare as it is that I feel the need to make a pie. Uh, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it just makes sense to have to go buy all the ingredients and whatever. I'll just buy a damn pie. Yeah. I'll throw a cobbler together like instantly. Like Mm -hmm. I can do that, but pies, no, no way. Um, I actually learned how to make a galette, which is basically, um, it's basically pie dough. And then you just kind of spiral some fruit or something on it. Like we'll do apples Uh and then you kind of put the edges up, you crimp them up and you, you know, put a little egg wash or butter on them and then you, you bake it. So it's kind of like a deconstructed pie. Oh yeah. And, and people are super impressed by it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I made that. (laughs) Do you make the, do you make your pie crust or do you buy the pie crust? Um, I normally try to make my pie crust, which is why I'll make a galette like once a year. Uh uh Right. (laughs) You know, when they say easiest pie, that is not a true thing. That is no easiest cobbler I can see, but not sure. easiest pie for sure. No. Dude, I love me a co- I think I would rather have a cobbler than a pie. 
Yeah, me too. And like I said, it's just super easy. Like, it's interesting. I got a lot of great recipes from my dad. And when he passed away, I was looking through one of his cookbooks and there was this surprise cobbler recipe that he had never made for us. And so I was like, all right, I'm on it. So I made that cobbler recipe and that is everybody's favorite cobbler recipe. So I'll put it together, like, you know, and just kind of throw it together and take it to all kinds of events. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's great. Wow. What kind of cobbler is it? I call it dad's surprising peach cobbler recipe. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I know. It was really funny because it's like, oh yeah, melt butter in a pan and then do other things. But like, you know, it's like you had me at the butter, right? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. All right. I kind of now, you know what? Now I kind of want to have a cobbler. See? I might make one. There you go. In your honor. Thank you. I'll expect pictures. Guest. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Okay. So my job, my job here is done. (laughs) (laughs) No, not quite. Not quite. Okay. So we have three icebreaker questions for you to get the ball rolling. Okay. Okay. Brace yourself. Are you ready? Okay. Number one is what is the last thing that you watched on television? Okay. So that's interesting. I'm, we're not big television watchers around here. So we'll put shows that we've seen on kind of in the background. Yep. The, the series that we're kind of working through right now is Supernatural. Oh, yes. We had never, I, Team Lee, I had never seen that um, when it first came out. And so, I, you know, I don't even know what season we're on because there are like 73 million episodes per uh-huh. season. Yeah. Um, I think maybe five. So that is on in the background a lot. And then Owl House, the Owl House mm. is another one. Uh, that's a Disney Plus it's uh animated and it's fabulous i highly recommend it it's a lot of fun okay i've never even heard of it and i have disney plus yeah have you seen gravity falls oh yeah Uh uh-huh so it's uh there's crossover there um i don't i don't think it's the same people that did gravity falls but the person who created gravity falls uh voices one of the characters on the owl house and that's how we discovered it and it's just it's got that same kind of humor Uh um it's just it's very it's a very clever show yeah. Yeah. My daughter went through a huge Gravity Falls phase. Like, yeah, it was a big deal in our house for a long time. Yeah. We don't uh, we, we don't even have children and we went through a big Gravity Falls phase. <laughs> <laughs> no shame in that game. I, I know. <laughs> OK, wait, I, I was going to actually what what was the first thing you said? Supernatural. Supernatural. That's right. Yeah. So I had never, I didn't even know this show existed until like either. the year before last. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like huge and it has a, like a very devoted fan base. And it just so happens that one of my coworkers is a huge fan of the show. So I was like, what are you, what are you? Uh, I'm, you know, complaining. I need something to watch. She's like, oh my God, you have to watch Supernatural. So I started watching it and it is exactly what you said in that it is the kind of show that it's kind of formulaic, right? Like you kind uh-huh. of know what's going to, you know, I mean, maybe you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's, there's some pretty predictable stuff there. So it's not something that you have to be like glued to all of the time. And it has a very high percentage of attractive people in it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is fun. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. nice to watch attractive people. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it, and then there's all this kind of interesting sort of lore and like mythology and stuff around it. So I was I actually really enjoyed it. But I binge like I think four seasons right out the gate, and then I was just like, I don't think I can do any more of this. So I, I stopped it. <laughs> Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was, I think it was a too much of a good thing at once. I, uh, I found, um, cause I love lore, folklore, legends, all that kind of stuff. So I yeah. was really enjoying it. But what I found is it's, I mean, I was a big X-Files fan too. And ah. I was notorious for watching random X-Files Ooh. episodes and having, uh, I was, I was, uh, cat sitting a neighbor's cat. Um, so I would go over and check on the cat and, um, they're like, oh, if you want to watch the X-Files over here, you can, because I had this beautiful giant, you know, screen TV sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, this is when I lived in Miami and I went over and I was watching the one with the decapitated head. Do you remember that episode? <laughs> no. So, so, so then I couldn't memorable, find, though. then I couldn't find the cat. So then I had to go around the entire apartment and like, look under and behind everything. And I kept waiting for a decapitated head to come out and like get me. 
And then I had to go get another neighbor to come in and help me. And it was just a whole debacle. So, so similarly, and then I had nightmares for like a week. Like, this, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm like, legitimately, it's a decapitated head. Like, how far can it go? Like, what's it doing? Right. Rolling after me? Is it going to like gnaw my ankle? Like, anyway. Wow. So, with Supernatural, it's similar though, in that I will pick like the time when it's like the middle of the night and everybody's asleep and I'm like watching this <laughs> scary episode and I'm like, oh my God. You know, and I'm just sitting there like with my, like every creak in the house. Um, and in fact there is one part like I don't know if you remember this but every time the lights flickered some bad shit went down right Uh so Uh I was in the kitchen and the lights flickered and I grabbed the salt shaker I was like this is insane wow (laughs) I know and the worst part is it was a salt grinder so what was I gonna do with that like (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, evil guy, could you stay still for a second? I got to grind this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you, you might want to consider taking it a little. I mean, you know, I, I kind of de- like when the pandemic started, I started watching Walking Dead and I had to quit. Oh, God, no. Yeah, yeah no, right. Because no. it was yeah, I and I'm not I don't consider myself particularly suggest suggestible. Like, I don't get freaked out that easily. But like after the first couple of seasons, I was like, I, I don't think this is good for me right now. No, no, not in a pandemic. No. Yeah. 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 I also did the same thing when I started binging murder podcasts right. <laughs> and, uh, and then started getting like super creeped out just like at night in my house and stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I need to listen to any more murder podcasts. That's exactly why I can't watch a lot of true crime, you know, and, yeah. and when I watch um, scary shows and stuff, it's like, I love, so I'm not saying, I'm not going to be the one that says all the stuff in Supernatural is real or not, you know, I'm not, I don't know enough about the universe to be able to actively say X, Y, or Z, but it's a lot less likely that that stuff's going to happen than some of the true crime stuff. <laughs> so- <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly right. The true crime, true crime, or anything having to do with reality actually freaks me out far more than any kind of fantasy or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Okay. That was a tangent. Um, Welcome to my life. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So the second icebreaker question, since you so clearly need it is what is the last book that you read? So I am a person who will be reading and rereading several books simultaneously. Okay. And I don't, I thought that was unique. And then I listened to a couple of your other episodes and I don't, I don't think that's unique. anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, the last book that I finished uh, the secret Commonwealth by Pullman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I'm assuming it's going to be a trilogy and uh, it's, he's the one who wrote his dark materials, the golden compass and the amber spyglass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he has a new um, series out, and I just finished the second book, The Secret Commonwealth, uh, and it's based on characters from uh, the first trilogy, and it's fascinating. I wasn't sure what I thought about it. When I read the first book, I wasn't really sure what to think, and I really enjoyed the second book, except, spoiler, there's a cliff, it's a cliffhanger, so Mm. I'm like racing through this thinking the book's going to wrap up. And I'm like, I got to the last page and I was like, wait, what? Which is what? Uh, what? <laughs> was the other one, was the last one at least out? No, no. I, and so I, I know. So I had actually promised myself a long time ago I wasn't going to do that because uh, like, now I have like this anxiety that something's going to happen in before he finishes the story. <laughs> that's garbage. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sitting here waiting. I mean, and you're talking to the person who went and bought the third Hunger Games book in the middle of a blizzard, right? <laughs> so, I mean, like, this is serious business. So, but it was really good. I, I recommend it. And I also just finished a book I got for Christmas called Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube by Blair Braverman. Uh, and she is among my favorite people to follow on Twitter. She's just fabulous. And it was, it was a really interesting, raw, honest, great book. Um, I, it, it was really good. Is it fiction? No, it's non it, it's nonfiction. Okay. Okay. 
yeah it's her experience it's um it's just her experience she did a lot of traveling and she's actually a a a musher so she uh I got to know her through our mutual friend Amy Vernon on Twitter and she uh Blair Braverman has sled dogs and you know she teaches people about that world and what it's like to you know to, to kind of be a part of that world. I thought that was going to be a lot of what the book was about, but it was more sort of her personal story about, you know, kind of getting her to where she is today. Hmm. She was on Naked and Afraid. Is that Ooh. one yeah. of those yeah. uh, And so she's a great writer. I've, I've read several of the pieces that she's had published in different publications. Um, and I just really admired her writing. And so I finally was like, I want this book for Christmas. And literally like the second I got it, I started reading. Excellent. That night. Yeah. So it was right. really good. All right. I mean, I, I, it, I see it here on my library app, so I'm going to add it to my to read list. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Good answer. Thank you. Answers. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And then the final icebreaker question is what did you have for breakfast today? Uh, I had a smoothie. Oh, fancy. No, it's, it's basically there's stuff in the fridge and a little bit of yogurt and I throw it on a blender and I blend it and that's it. Well, that's kind of what a smoothie is, my friend. I know, I know, but it's not, there's nothing really uh, rhyme or reason. There's no real (laughs) measurements. It's just like, (laughs) okay. I did learn, um, I, so I'll go through these kicks. Like I have an oatmeal kick, you know, in in the summer because I'm an idiot. And then like, you know, the smoothie (laughs) kick in the winter when it's freezing. So, um, but I was doing, um, oh gosh, what was it? There's a, I I can't, of course I'm a writer and I can't think of the word for the type of lettuce it was, but basically it was a type of lettuce and I was like, oh, I'll throw that in the smoothie. And that was just the, oh, arugula, worst idea ever. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. No. I didn't even know what I was thinking. It just. (laughs) Have you ever tried arugula by itself? (laughs) And I think I just thought that everything else was going to mask it. And that just, that didn't happen. And the thing is, I like arugula, but it does not belong in a smoothie. No, no. It was, it was a miscalculation for sure. Wow. You know what I think is funny is that there are smoothie cookbooks. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Like, you know, like books with like recipes of smoothies in them. Oh. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, you gotta be some kind of like real novice in the kitchen to need a smoothie cookbook. Don't you? I, so I broke the old blender doing smoothies cause it was really not a smoothie blender. Uh huh. And then we went out and we, we got a blend tech, which apparently can, I don't know, divide by zero and fly to the moon and do all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and so the very first day I was like terrified of using it because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't inexpensive. Right. Right. So I'm like putting everything in there and I turned it on and I heard this horrible clattering noise. And I was like, oh my God, like I broke it already. Like, what happened? And I stop it and I take the lid off and I had, I had left the spoon. Oh my God. <laughs> so my very first smoothie was like metal shard smoothie. <laughs> Ew. Did it, did, it, did, it, did it shred the spoon? It did. It It wasn't like, will it blend kind uh-huh. of level of shred, but it yeah. definitely chipped the spoon to the point where I was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start that over and wow. wash this out. Yeah. Dang. Okay. I, so I, I have destroyed many a blender, um, <laughs> many. And so my husband bought me a Vitamix for my birthday a couple of years ago. And it's like one of my favorite possessions, like just because it's so powerful like, I feel like if I ever murdered someone and had to get rid of the body, I could just, just you know, like blend it up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that, that would be quite the, does it blend? Will it blend episode? Wouldn't it? It's pretty intense. <laughs> um, and the other thing I like about it is that it's just very straightforward. Like there's not a lot of, I'm very um, uh, suspicious of anything, any device or any appliance that has too many bells and whistles because I feel like that is distracting away from the actual function of the item right I agree so my husband and I are constantly arguing because whenever we have to replace the coffee maker I'm like I want the I want an industrial straightforward coffee maker that is going to make large quantities of strong black coffee 
right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, but we could get this one. It has, like you said, a timer and it does this and it does that and it froths and it does. And I'm like, nope, that's not what I want. Yeah. I no, want. I just, I want an on and off button, maybe a yeah. couple of options, maybe, but not, not even on my coffee maker, because to me, that's just something that's going to break. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. We have a food processor and I think I've used it like twice because I just look at the blades and I'm like, nope. <laughs> That's a lot of decisions happening there. I can't do that. (laughs) Exactly. Who's responsible for purchasing these items in your home? So the food processor was a wedding gift. Um, Normally, uh, Juan will be the one who does the research and purchases things. Mm -hmm. And so that's normally why we'll wind up with something that can park your car and (laughs) like like wash the floor. Yeah. I like that you say that he does research because this is my, my husband's like always goes to this we'll like having to have a we'll be discussing like we should buy a thing right we need we need a new air fryer for example mm-hmm. or an iron and you know we'll, we'll start arguing about it and I'll and I will always take the tack of I want something very simple and straightforward we don't need all and he will always bust out with I have done my research <laughs> As if there were some kind of graduate level program for determining which product to purchase. Well, I will give him that he does, when he does the research, it's mainly to, you know, did it blow up nine times out of 10 the first time somebody turned it on? You know, he's pretty realistic in his research. Um, So he's more like all things being equal. If we can get this extra thing, that allows us to take over satellite, you know, on the, on the side, <laughs> why not? Why not do that? You know, and it, that's kind of hard to argue with, you know, except I'm kind of like, well, you know me, I'll wind up blowing somebody up and he's oh, okay. You're right. You're right. Let's just do simple. <laughs> okay. But the thing is like, if you are the person doing the research, then the burden of proof is on you. Right. I, I'm just saying you don't get to just say, I've done the research. You have to. Oh no! With no. Why? Why it is a superior choice? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I normally he'll he'll be really good about the presentation of it. Okay. Well, I looked into this vacuum cleaner, and you know, <laughs> all other vacuum cleaners, this and this one won't actually blow up when it gets, uh, you know, a bag full of dog hair, which uh-huh. you know, having the most. I don't, we just so much dog hair, so much dog hair. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, all right, that's a selling point. You know what? I'm, I'm let's, I'm on board with that one. Let's get that one. But your doggos have short hair, don't they? Not Jimmy, not Jimmy oh. from Kuwait. Jimmy from Kuwait has a long yeah. hair. Oh. He's got, yeah. Cause he's a Saluki mix and he just, it's like, I just find extra Jimmy's all over the house. It's Aww. just drifts of fur. And this is, I'm talking like, I do a lot of vacuuming. <laughs> wow. Lulu, not so much, but Jimmy, good Lord. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the doggos since they are your, they are, well, they're kind of, ce- they're kind of celebrities, right? <laughs> I mean, they are, they're, they're, I mean, I couldn't have them on my podcast because my podcast is just for non-famous people. Right. So, right. Yeah, I couldn't actually have them on. So you're, you're going to have to do. <laughs> I actually, part of my bio was scribe for all dogs, because that's basically what I feel like my life is. It's just kind of, I'm just, look, I'm just here scribing for them. Like they're doing all the work, right? <laughs> oh. All right. So you have, you have Jimmy from Kuwait and Lulu. How did, let's start with Jimmy from Kuwait, because obviously that name, isn't that we're, hilarious? Yes, it, there's a story uh, as with I'm everything. Sure. Yeah. There's a story. Um, so, w- I mean, we started out, we had Sophie, the wonder dog uh, for a number of years, and then we uh, had Indy adventure dog. And that was sadly, that was a brief. Um, oh. We only had him for about a year and a half. Um, and he went on to that big old dog bed in the sky. And then um, we had Shiloh and we adopted Shiloh from a place called, I think it's called Homeward Trails. Uh, It's in Virginia. And Juan had just been doing research and he found Shiloh on there. And Shiloh had spent all of his life chained to a doghouse outside in like West Virginia. And he was just a mess. He was a hot mess. Um, And we adopted him and he was uh, like (laughs) the records. He was anywhere from like seven to nine when we adopted him. (laughs) And that's like a pretty big range in dog years. It's like, you know, 21 years or whatever. But, um, and when, um, 
Sophie passed away and Shiloh was an only dog for a while and he kind of dug that. He was kind of digging that. But then we decided that maybe it would help Shiloh out. He was having some issues. And of course he was getting older um, if he had a buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, one day we went and we uh, wound up going down to Homer Trails and we just happened to meet Jimmy from Kuwait. He literally just arrived like on a plane from Kuwait. From Kuwait. I know. And so- I guess he had been a street dog in Kuwait and he, uh, somebody rescued him. And I subsequently found the woman who rescued him on Twitter, I believe it was. Wow. On, I know it's like a very small world. And anyway, he wound up living at a rescue over there and, you know, he's kind of like usual over there. And so when they wound up having backing to send him to the United States. And so they sent him over and we met him like literally he had just gotten off the plane like a couple days before, or maybe even the day before. And we were like, you know what? That dog is the exact right energy for Shiloh because Shiloh's older. Well, what we didn't know at the time was that Jimmy was like so drugged to the gills from the <laughs> journey. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like this really chill dude like just kind of living his best little life and uh, like to make a long story longer uh Shiloh wound up passing away so Jimmy when J- we finally got Jimmy home a few days later because you know we, we put it on hold for just a couple days and um and he got here and he was an only dog and we uh we kind of said like you know we think that shiloh left him shiloh messages all through the house because uh-huh. we secretly think that shiloh was a spy dog like i've got whole stories around how he would play this what who me sort of dog and he secretly was like you know communicating and like had a whole like computer network and like wow. whatever like this whole backstory but so then that's how we got jimmy and and he all of his paperwork um from kuwait was written in like Arabic, Mm -hmm, right? Like, mm -hmm. and uh, except for his name, Jimmy. So somebody (laughs) over there (laughs) named this dog, Jimmy. And we just had like, we were like, like that was not an accident. Like they weren't like, they didn't accidentally name him Jimmy. So we're like, well, we kind of feel like we need to keep that name. (laughs) Seriously. Okay. Is this something people do? Do people go to foreign countries and find dogs and bring them back here? Um, I th- well, so Homer Trails has a really great network. Uh, so they tend, it seems to me that they do a lot of work with international rescues. Uh-huh. Um, there are a number that will fly dogs to Canada or to the UK or to the US. And But like I said, it wasn't like we set out to get, you know, Jimmy International Dog. You know, we just set out to find a dog that we thought Shiloh would get along with. Okay. No, no. I'm just trying to figure out. I, I just, I had never the, this because you know there are already so many dogs here. I and know. Interesting that somebody would bring a dog from Kuwait, and why that particular dog? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I know this that I mean, like, fate, Mickey is basically what it boils down to. I know, and he's so funny because he's he's a cat. He's basically a cat <laughs> who was raised by birds who is in the body of a dog because that's why his nickname is boops as he goes around and he will peck you with his nose like I mean like with intent like he comes up and he's like boop I mean it is not like he just (laughs) he just like nudged you it's like he just knocked you down with his nose (laughs) very aggressive booping yes and he's like very aloof you know he's like when I want to cuddle I'll cuddle and when I don't I'm just I'm out of here right wow so he's basically the antithesis of Lulu does he speak um, Arabic? You know, uh, we actually hilariously tried to learn a few words of Arabic at the beginning with the hopes that that would make him listen. And it, it didn't work at all. So yeah. <laughs> all it's right. just, it's, we have a whole, we have a whole, like, uh, you know, as with all of our dogs, um, we say Jimmy is one of the only dogs that we've ever had who doesn't, he doesn't feel guilt when he does something, when, when you <laughs> yell at him, uh-huh. he'll be like, Jimmy, what is this? And he just stares right through your soul like you know what that sounds like a you problem I don't know what's happening with you right now but I'm gonna go over here and when you're done with whatever that is you can come get me and we can hang out excellent I know it's like we've got like this whole quasi religion around Jimmy and like his you know this whole theory of Jimmy with that sounds like a you problem it's actually 
I don't know. It's kind of cool. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jimmy from Kuwait, right? but Jimmy also has a friend or another, well, or maybe Lulu, or Jimmy is Lulu's friend. I don't know. But then you also have this other dog that is, I, I have never seen a dog like this before. She, <laughs> she is a, like in every sense of the word, a person. Like as much a person, if not more than any other human being you will ever meet. And I, and I say that having never actually even been in the same room with her, but I can tell you just by looking at her, she, she knows many things. Right. <laughs> Where, from whence did Lulu come? So that was why I went back to the whole Homer Trail story, which okay. I'm sure anybody listening is just like, oh my God. But, um, but yeah, she was. <laughs> hey, if people don't like this, they can. Right. right like right. this is interesting stuff thank you um right. i think it's fascinating Me so too. um so juan we were looking for you know because shiloh passed away and then jimmy was an only dog and juan's like you know we got to get jimmy a friend i'm like well jimmy seems pretty happy and he's like gotta get jimmy a friend <laughs> so he's looking up like he's researching as juan does <laughs> and um he found lulu um on the homer trail site and honestly, once a week, we would just be sitting there and he would pull Lulu's picture up and he'd go, look at Lulu. <laughs> and I was like, that's a blue tick hound. Like, that's a hound. And he's like, I know, but look at that face. You know, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to wind up with this blue tick hound, aren't we? So you have a sure enough, blue tick hounds? No, it's just, I know, like, we had kind of decided after Sophie that we were shepherd people, but then we got Shiloh, who was a hound, and hounds are just a whole different ball of wax. Like, they are just stubborn, and they are, like, they've got their own hound way of interacting with the world, and I was like, I thought we were going to get a shepherd, German shepherd mix. And he's like, look at Lulu. And I'm like, all right, fine. So we went and uh, well, Lulu came here to meet Jimmy. And then we wound up adopting Lulu. And she is just a riot. Like she is just unapologetically Lulu in every possible way. Yes. Um, she is like bigger than life. And yes. She's just she's a star baby. Like if she really is. And she knows it she would be she's... like famous human being wearing sequins all the time. No, she is just, she is just fabulous. Like, I mean, I try to p- take a picture of Jimmy and I'll get like his toe. Cause he's so fast <laughs> and he's just like zoop. And he's like, Nope. And then Lulu will just come and like, she will just position herself in various places around the house and like, <laughs> wait for the camera to show up. <laughs> The Liz Taylor of hound dogs. <laughs> I swear. It's like, oh, if we got her a fainting couch, like that's where she'd be. Like <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I know. But she's uh and she's the cuddle monster. She's the one that wants to be with her humans and like, you know, cuddling up and um she can hear, you know, a treat from a mile away. And um, but yeah, she's just utterly fabulous. Okay. Well, for anyone who's listening to this podcast. <laughs> You should follow. Why are we laughing? We should just assume. I, don't know. Yeah. I just no. laugh a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, you you must follow Mickey on social media because she posts tons of pictures of Jimmy from Kuwait and Lulu, and they are they're the thing that you need to combat the awfulness of the internet. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I depend on them to detoxify my feed. Right. <laughs> They do. Okay. That's what I do. I'd follow them around, take pictures, and that kind of detoxifies uh, my, you know, my little world too. It's just, it's, they're they're great. They're they they're are. A big joy. Um, pets are pets are so good for just helping you remember why why life is worth living. They really yeah, are. They really are. And like I said, once we got the whole Jimmy, you know, that sounds like a you problem. Like that's just revolutionized. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy is your guru. Honestly, well, I'll be all wrapped up in something and Juan will be like, that sounds like a somebody else's problem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I know. All right. Well, you um, 
Let's talk about, a, a, about your writing and also about what you do with libraries, because anyone who listens to my podcast knows that I'm a little obsessed with libraries. Yes. Um, and also, I love me some writers. So um, let's start with the writing piece. What, now you are an incredibly gifted writer, um, and I know you have your own blog that you periodically post to, but when did you start writing? It's interesting. It's kind of like with music, I feel like there was a time in my life that I wrote a lot and then I just didn't. Um, you know, it was, you were in creative writing and you wrote, or you were in band and you played, you know, played an instrument, but you, you were in art class and you drew, but then at some point you had to choose the thing that you did. Um, and I feel like I never really considered, I, I was a big reader, I've been a big reader my whole life, but I only really started writing, writing, I don't know, like maybe maybe 10 years ago or so. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I would write in my work. Um, I would, you know, write pieces for the newspaper or um, when I was write, you know, uh, running whether newsletters, I would write blog posts for, yeah. you know, for, for different things, but I never really sat down and wrote humor or anything really. Um, and then at some point I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try this blog thing. And I started a blog. And so a lot of my early posts were just like, I found a thing and this is interesting. Uh, and then it got more into, this is a really ridiculously silly story that happened to me that somebody told me I need to write down. Mm -hmm. And it kind of evolved from that. Um, and I think a lot of it, I don't know, are you familiar with hyperbole and a half? Uh-huh. Oh Yeah. So between her and the blog S, um, especially hyperbole and a half though, because uh, I started reading her blog and that was where I kind of gave myself permission to start illustrating my mm. own stories. Yeah. And I, it was, I don't, I don't know why that didn't naturally occur to me, but again, it was kind of like, oh, I'm not really, I, I love art. I love creating art, but I'm not really an artist per mm. se. And that kind of gave me this permission that I can write and I can illustrate it and I can illustrate it however I want to, you know, cause I started doing digital illustrations so I could do kind of watercolor stuff or I could do sketches, or mm -hmm. I could, you know? And so that's kind of where it started. And then um, the big hairbrush incident happened in Chicago and that just gained all this traction. And so <laughs> what so was the big hairbrush incident? Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is like, this was where I had my 15, like I've already had my 15 minutes of fame. So you missed it. But, um, oh, but I went to a conference in Chicago and I, it's like, I forgot a comb and a brush. Like I had nothing to brush my, like, and it's called the Windy City for a reason. <laughs> so, like literally I had no sooner, you know, landed and got into the hotel when I was just like, oh, I'm going to brush my, oh, are you kidding me? And I'm looking, no brush. So I had to go out and buy a hairbrush. And I turned out, it turned out that I bought the most dangerous hairbrush in the entire universe for my hair. What? Because yeah, I know that night it was totally chill. It was fine. Everything worked great. The next morning at like dumb o'clock in the morning, I wake up kind of having coffee. I'm like blow drying my hair with this circle brush. And I got yeah. every piece of the hair on the left side of my head, like caught around this hairbrush like this brush was literally flush to the side of my head I had like every strand of hair and I'm in a hotel room in Chicago and I'm like I, I uh, I'm in shock I'm like I don't even I don't even know what's happening what so, did you do what well, I I I Were tried you by to, yourself of yes and I didn't know anybody in the hotel and it was just crazy so yeah so I tried to condition it out and I tried to rinse it out and I tried to that was when I started googling things and they were like you should use chopsticks and I'm like weirdly I didn't pack chopsticks and um <laughs> so then I, I had like a little nail clipper so I started clipping all the ends off of all the bristles and <laughs> I wound up, I, I was like, at this point I'm panicked, right? Cause I actually have a presentation to make the next day and I'm oh having this image in my mind that I'm going to be up there with like this hairbrush stuck to my head. So I called the concierge in this hotel, 
like I've never really stayed in a hotel with a concierge and this time I happened to be at one. So I called the concierge and I was like, um, I'm kind of having an issue and um, I have a hairbrush stuck in my hair. <laughs> and the concierge is just like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I have a hairbrush stuck in my hair, you know? <laughs> just like, do you want me to send up housekeeping? And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. What the so. hell are they going to do? <laughs> So she's like, okay, like, here's a number of this salon that, you know, we send people to tell them that we sent you like whatever. Well, it was pretty early in the morning still. So when I called the salon, like this woman answered and she was just like, you know, are you, are are you a client here? Like, and I'm like, no, no, no. This hotel told me to call you. And, um, she's like, I don't know. I'm like, like, I really need to get in to see someone. And long story short, I'm able to get in to see her and I wound up like having to go downstairs. I had <laughs> these giant sunglasses on and I, <laughs> it's like the middle of the summer, it's like 4,000 degrees outside and I've got this giant scarf draped around my head, but it like the brush is sticking up. So it's like, I kind of look like maybe I could, I could be, a, I could be a unicorn, but maybe not like. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, did anyone up. notice it? No, you know what? You know how you think like you are just screaming like and everybody is just looking at like you're screaming like look at me like nobody right. noticed. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. noticed. The wow. concierge wound up noticing because later on um, I wrote the whole thing down because uh, people are like, did you take a picture of yourself? And I'm like, of course I didn't take a picture of my, I didn't take a selfie with a brush stuck to my head. <laughs> well, so that, I, that was early in the internet years. At this I, point, you would have had to have taken a I probably would have, yeah. but what I did, I did the next best thing. So I illustrated it. So I drew a picture of me with the hairbrush in my hair. And so then I had to write the whole story down. And wow. like people have actually written to me and said that they start crying halfway through the story because they are just, like laughing so hard (laughs) but the best part so I write it up and I like sent it to my mom and my mom is like oh my gosh like this scarf and this this picture looks just like your scarf and I'm like mom I drew it of course it looks like my scarf what I was looking at my scarf when I drew it like (laughs) what like did you think I found clip art with something that looked like my scarf like (laughs) okay yeah anyway so that kind of like a lot of people read that and thought it was hilarious so I wound up writing a lot around that point um and now I just kind of write for myself and I'm collecting stories and I want to start publishing more on my blog but I'd really love to kind of get a book of essays out Mm, uh, just humorous essays just crazy stories I always have weird stuff that happens to me and so you know, I, I, that's what I would really like to do is publish a book like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope people find your, I'll, I'll link to your website. I hope people read some of your stuff because it is really good. And the thing is, you know, some people are just, they, they attract kind of absurdity into their lives. Uh, <laughs> and then there are some people that are just really good at telling stories and you happen to be the Venn diagram intersection of those two things. <laughs> So, why thank you yeah. <laughs> it's delightful oh thank um, you that's very kind of you to say I appreciate that yeah no I, I I hope that you do keep writing I think it's interesting that you started out really just you know 10 years ago seriously writing what do you think was the catalyst for that kind of creative shift like I said I think it was Well, I mean, I think part of it was uh, my whole life, people have been telling me, you need to write that down. Uh And, you know, if I, if, if I do have a collection of essays, one of the first titles I would probably have, (laughs) you have to write that down because just so many absurd things happen to me and I'll tell stories and people are like, are you kidding me right now? Like, what? You need to write that down. You know, that's not normal. (laughs) And I didn't really have any kind of platform, you know, yeah. and I think part of it was Facebook, the way that I use Facebook, that's kind of the place that I practice a lot of my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'll kind of put things together in certain ways and see where it resonates. It's not like I'm testing the waters. It's more like it's my little exercises that I do every day or, mm-hmm. you know, one, a, a couple times a week. And I think that uh, seeing other blogs, like I said, seeing the blog S uh, and reading her stories, um, reading Hyperbole and a Half, 
it kind of gave me permission that I don't need to go out and try to be Dave Barry or the Irma Bombex or the David Sedaris. Like I can go out with my own voice and tell my stories. And my stories are interesting because nobody can tell my stories the way that I can. Yeah. And I had never, that had never really occurred to me that there was anything super unique. Um, and I think that that kind of really caught my imagination, you know, and I've got like this whole list of stories that I have yet to write, you know, I'll be, oh my gosh, I have to write that down. Um, I think I slowed down a lot in the last um, several years, just with the, you know, kind of the political climate and just yeah. a lot of what was going on in our country. It made it harder for me to find that humor as easily as I once did. So I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of turning it back around. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I think that's great. And I have to say, you know, you you listened to the, uh, the conversation we had with Eileen Haddad also. Yes. And a lot of us who are in this sort of age group who kind of came into our creative selves, um, you know, during that period where blogging was a thing, I think. I, I really miss that. And I've tried to figure out what it is about that, that period that was so exciting for people that were creating. And I think it's because blogs really were um, democratized media, right? As it is now, mm -hmm. we go on these platforms and we're all sort of everything. First of all, everything is homogenized on these platforms, right? Like yes. even the, the, you know, user interface of all of them, they all look the same. And, you know, blogs, it was like going to visit somebody's house. It would be, it would be designed a certain way. It would reflect the personality of the person who was blogging there. And then, um, and then it was just sort of, I, I also think that it was almost like like content on social media is so disposable, right? Like you, you write things and it's really hard to find them again on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can do keyword searches and stuff, but it's not the same as categorizing and organizing your content the way that we did on blogs by mm -hmm. date and by topic and things like that. And I just, I feel like the, the, I feel like the content was the focus of blogs and it's the engagement that's the focus on social media. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, and I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that I'm just going to bring this up because I have to, uh, the, when Google reader went away, I'm uh -huh. still bitter about that. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like here's this really easy way <laughs> for me to go and to have all the people's blogs that I, like the, the feed went right in there. It was super easy for me to organize and to find exactly what I wanted when, and I could be standing in line someplace and pull my phone out and read something. And like, you know, talk about like, like of all of the things, technologically speaking, that had to go by the wayside, so many things that could go by the wayside and should go by the wayside. And Google Reader was the one that had to go. Right, right. <laughs> But I just feel like that was a really easy, simple, accessible way for me to keep up with what people were doing. And I am a reader by nature. So it's that, you know, even with recordings, a lot of times on NPR, for example, I'll go on and I'll read the transcript. Yeah. You know, I don't yep. necessarily want to hear the recording. I just want to read it. I want to read it at my pace and just kind of skim through it and and that's, I've, I always really enjoyed blogs for that reason and not having set up another really easy way for me to track what my friends are doing in the blogs, uh, you know, blogging, uh, it makes me sad because as you said, that was really interesting to me, that creativity um, and being able to go and sort of look around and find different insights and stories and content. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole way, of, it was in a, it was a complete creative endeavor. It wasn't just about the words. It was, it was whatever you put into whether, you know, you didn't, and you didn't have to be, you know, a brilliant web designer or anything, but whatever you put into the blog, it reflected you as a person in many more ways than just making a post on social media. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I completely, and, and, because the quality of the content was so good, the 
I mean, there were blogs that I would go back to again and again, and I would, you know, save just specific blog posts that were so good because they were, it was, it was, it was good content. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the way that we treat content, now was just a means to an end, which it is. And so the quality is not as good and it's really hard to, I don't know, just keep, keep the focus on creativity as a creative person, when you realize that people are not either, either not going to read it or they're going to forget about it in a day or two. It's, it's really ephemeral. Uh, and I feel like that was kind of part of what, and, and it's unfortunate. I never really looked at the number of, you know, I, it wasn't like I was looking at my blog and thinking like, Oh, only four people came today, you know, read this. Um, but when you would share it on social media and it wouldn't get any traction, right. That was harder for me. Uh, Yeah. You know, cause it was like, you know, it, and I needed to, and I still need to, I guess, in some ways, sort of reposition myself to remind myself that I'm not, I mean, I'm not writing things on Facebook for other people as much as I'm writing them for me. Um, right. It's my way of making sense of the world. And it's my way of working through something and sharing it. Right. Um, I, I know that I that's not how everybody uses it, but no, <laughs> I, I do I the same it. thing. And in <laughs> fact, you know, that piece that we were, that we read this week. Yes. Um, yes. That's, I was just thinking about similar that. similar thing to that. Yes. I will often just kind of throw half cocked stuff out there and, you know, just it's sort of messy and whatever. And then uh, later I'll go back and I'll take that post and I'll rework it and I'll turn it into something. Yeah. Yeah. I find that to be the same. I've got, you know, posts that I've done, I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've got uh, most of a children's book written and I've also got ideas for other sort of um, books like around the, the dog content, for example. Uh-huh. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but, you know, I'll do a lot of sort of throwing conversations on Facebook and whether it's conversations between me and the dogs or the dogs amongst themselves or just a random conversation I have with somebody like, you know, in the before times when I used to go out and, you know, interact uh-huh. with people. Um a lot of that, as you say, it would start out as just, oh, this is just kind of this throwaway that I thought was interesting. But then seeing how people reacted to it would make it like, oh, okay, that clearly hit, that hit something there that that tickled someone's fancy that really people really enjoyed that. So I need to make sure that I kind of capture that and put it into my writing file. Yeah, so that I can, you know, create something around that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of peeling your ass off social media long enough to actually do (laughs) focused writing. (laughs) Honestly, I, I look at you taking those breaks and like, I need to do that, but I'll tell you, I, at one point, I don't know, honestly, I can't remember what it was. It was in the past year or two. I probably didn't post for like three days. Uh And my mother was like texting me. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you haven't posted. I'm like, you know, you can, you can call. It's cool. Like, <laughs> but I realized then that that was like the metric where she would kind of go on and be like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Like she posted today, you know? <laughs> wow. Oh, that's kind of sweet actually. I know it was very sweet, but I was like, so I'm like, okay, note to self. If I take a social media break, make sure mom knows. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, I, I think uh, that's why I make such a big announcement about it because first, you know, we're in a weird place where people have, there's so many points of entry where people feel like they can contact you about everything, whether right. it's personal or professional. So you just have to kind of put it out there and be like, okay, hello. Uh, if you know, I don't respond to your message, it's not because I hate you or am ignoring you, you know, uh, it just, it, it just makes it easier. But I, I highly recommend it. I mean, yeah, no, I really need to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, especially peeling myself off now uh, would be, I think, a little bit easier just with all of everything that's been going on politically and just being sort of attached to every screen, um, mm-hmm. checking news sources multiple times a day. You know, I'm very specific about where I try to find news and I've got, you know, I I try to have it less come to me than I'll go out and sort of seek it. Um, I don't have anything cable going 24 seven in the background or anything like that. Um, But I do think that my hope knock on wood is that it's a little bit easier to disengage now and not worry that I'm going to log in and just something catastrophic has happened. (laughs) Right. 
Right. Right. For sure. And uh, one of the things I do is I have a, I have buddies that will text me. Like they'll just check in on me and, you know, let me know. I, I actually, it was during one of my sabbaticals, my social media sabbaticals that Prince died. Oh, wow. I know. And I had, I, my friend called, I still remember I was in the car when she called and she told me, <laughs> but wow. she, there's a person there that, you know, is watching out for me for things right. that I need to know. Right, right. And I, you know, I do think that I would have people like that. And I know that we've got friends who make fun of people when they're like, I'm going on a break, but I do think it's important because there are people who, you know, their default is they contact me through messenger of course. or, you know, they, um, they message me through Instagram. And so, you know, it's just important, I think for, for those kinds of relationships, for people just to know, like, no, I didn't fall off the face of the earth. I am alive doing something offline. (laughs) It's a a public space. And if you are there every single day and then you disappear, it just doesn't make sense to not tell people that you're taking a break. Right, right. Yeah. So, but that's a great idea. I really do need to do that. (laughs) All right. So before, before you go, please tell us a little bit about your work at the, was it Howard County Library System? Yeah. So I am on a board for the board of directors for the friends and foundation of the Howard County library system. Uh And we basically do a lot of the bulk of the fundraising for the Howard County library system. And the Howard, I have loved the Howard County library system since I was tiny. I used to go there with, you know, my parents would take me there when I was little, I grew up in Howard County. I still have a lot of family in Howard County. And, um, I wound up when I was working with the volunteer center, very active in the Howard County community. I uh, wound up doing some fundraising for the library system through their annual gala, evening in the stacks. And we had celebrity bartenders. Uh, The only thing they would let us do was serve wine and beer, which is really a good thing for everybody concerned. Um, And it was like for an hour of the event and we would raise money. And thanks to having this super diverse network online of people, Uh I was able to collect virtual tips, which is something I was like, look, I'll be a bartender, but only if I can collect virtual tips Uh because I knew that was where my strength was. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I would go in with enough that even on the night of, if people collected a ton of tips, I, I was, not going to be last. That was kind of my stated goal. Wow. Um, And so I I did well with that. And it was exciting because there were people who may never ever use the Howard County Library Systems anything um, who were donating uh, just because they wanted to support me and support something that I was enthusiastic about. So um, that wound up, I wound up getting onto the board of directors um, because of that. and, and that's where I am now. Um, I'm actually the chair of that board. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing group of people who work together to do all kinds of diverse fundraising and community building around the Howard County Library System. We just launched a new website last year. We have our big gala is coming up at the end of February. And oh. because it's virtual, anybody can attend if they would Ooh. like to. It's, it, you can go to the Howard County Library System or Friends hcls.org and find out more information. We have a blog post all about it. They've got a virtual trip to Italy. So we've got three fabulous authors and then we're actually going to be doing real time um, events like wine tasting, pasta making and truffle hunting with people in Tuscany for the event. So How cool is that? I know. It, I, I thought it was really remarkable. Um, we've had so many events that wound up going virtual. And I thought that this was such a creative way. Like if you're going to go virtual, like go virtual, right? Yeah. Like just take out all the stops. And so I think, I, I think it's really remarkable the, the way that the team came up with these really creative ways to make it into something that is uniquely virtual. This couldn't be something that we did in person um, as opposed to so many of the events where it just felt like, okay, we're just doing it and we're going to, we're going to make it feel as much like the event itself as possible, but you can't do that. Right. Cause a lot of the event is networking and seeing people and catching up. And that doesn't lend itself to that online platform. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be fabulous. And so there is an opportunity for people who aren't local necessarily to buy a ticket and to participate in all of the events. And then for locals, there are opportunities to also have 
you know, food and beverages from um, local restaurants to kind of, and there's like a swag bag. It's all kinds of really cool stuff. So I just, I love, I love the organization. Um, I love the people who volunteer with me on Friends and Foundation. I just think that the library system has done a remarkable job during the pandemic, especially to keep the community connected and to keep people learning. So awesome. Awesome. Well, let me say thank you for doing that because, um, or, you know, for, for leading that, for being part of that community and for making sure that the library is sustained um, now and in the future, because I, you know, I think I've told you this before and anyone who listens to my podcast knows that I am a passionate supporter and devotee of public libraries. I think they are sacred spaces in our communities and they deserve all of the the love and respect and support that, you know, they are able to, you know, turn around and, and turn into amazing programming and shelter and knowledge and all this great stuff that I've benefited from throughout my whole life. And especially when I was a kid and I really needed that place to go. So, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I used to joke that I helped build the second iteration of the Miller branch, uh, thanks to overdue fines from when I was a kid, but the library, I mean, our library system now, they're, they're actually letting people borrow art. You can check out a piece of art for a month and hang it on your wall. You can go to the DIY branch and you can basically check out anything from a post hole digger to a tile cutter, to a unicorn cake pan, to a sewing machine. You know, there are just so many remarkable ways that are beyond, you know, even just ebooks, which, you know, I've been living off my Kindle um, and just getting, you know, I'll just go through and I'll say like, what's available? And I'll, you know, kind of check out books and be able to access them immediately. Um, but there are just so many resources, um, language learning, Gail and like lynda.com, gail.com. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's amazing to me sort of how diversified libraries have become in general yeah. in terms of the resources that they provide and it, it, the Howard County library system in particular, how creative they are with their offerings and the ways that they keep the community engaged. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, that just makes me incredibly happy and proud to know you. Oh, thank you. I am I am incredibly proud to know you too, Amanda. And I am very appreciative. <laughs> I, I'm very grateful for you uh, having me on today. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, please come back. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much. And thanks for doing the, uh, the podcast. I really enjoy it. And I look forward to catching up with the episodes that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. Yes. <laughs> And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.